values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. The weather's getting warmer. KTAR and Fulton Homes want to remind you that two seconds is too long to take your eyes off kids around water. For life-saving water safety tips and to enter to win swim lessons from the YMCA, you can just text the word SWIM to 620-620. So the Biden administration is supposed to, was originally scheduled, or Biden was originally scheduled to speak at 845. It's now been postponed to 930 Arizona time. Uh, we will bring that live here when that happens. But the Biden administration is expected to announce brand new aid to uh, to the Ukrainian people. The Ukrainian president spoke to the United States Congress this morning through an interpreter, obviously. He spoke to the Canadian uh, parliament recently, and uh, they are they are ple- pleading for help. I want you to hear the reminder he gave the U.S. about airstrikes. Remember Pearl Harbor. Terrible morning of December 7, 1941, when your sky was black from the planes attacking you. Remember September the 11th, a terrible day in 2001 when evil tried to turn your cities, independent territories, in battlefields, when innocent people were attacked from air. Yes, just like no one else expected it. You could not stop it. Our country experience the same every day right now at this moment every night for three weeks the idea of the u.s being a part and i don't believe we would do it alone but the u.s being a part of a coalition of nations maybe european nations as well in a no-fly zone is unlikely because we do not want direct involvement with american troops as, as soon as an american piece of equipment is damaged or an american life is lost or someone is, t- is captured you are we are now involved in what could turn into very quickly world war three with the backing of the chinese if the chinese send in help if we help Ukraine. What's interesting about the Chinese, and I talked about this yesterday, and I'm anxious to hear if the president will address this in his comments about Ukraine. The U.S., there had been reports that the Russians had asked for military help, equipment and otherwise, from the Chinese. There is a former NATO commander, a general, that said he believes that within nine or ten days from yesterday, so eight or nine days now, that the Russians may run out of ammunition and not have the ability to fight. Now, I don't know where he got that information from, but that that is the information. And if that's true, them asking for military equipment from the Chinese is the reason why they're asking. And um, some people were very surprised by that. Well, the U.S. said to China, stay out of it. And the Chinese response was a little bit less enthusiastic than they were in support of the Russians just a couple of weeks ago when they said they were their most uh, their their most strategic partner and and really talked about their partnership that it would never change. And they had an, a, a, they had no limits and unlimited partnership with Russia. Well, now they seem to have put limits saying that they have they are going to remain neutral in all of this. If the Chinese are seeing what's happening here and for a multitude of reasons they could be and their support is wavering. The Chinese and the Russians understand that the US is still the the superpower. But together they are a, they are definitely a huge threat if they work together. 
But if the Russian military, and it's much bigger than what we've seen, but if the Russian military that's being sent into Ukraine is decimated, we know that they say that over 13,000, and this is a few days old, but, you know, thousands of Russian troops killed. We have seen the video of the tanks and the armored vehicles and the helicopters and the jets that have been shot down. If they are losing a lot of their equipment and a lot of their people in the force that they've sent into Ukraine, are the Chinese very likely to be supportive of a country that will become a liability instead of an asset? Instead of a partner, they are now a a liability. You have to take care of them. You have to rebuild their military. You have to rebuild, um, you know, you're going to have to help rebuild Ukraine because Ukraine is being destroyed. This wasn't this isn't a force that's going in and pushing people out of the cities. As a matter of fact, a report this morning said Ukraine is offering a resistance and pushing back in Kiev and pushing, trying to push the Russians out. So it isn't just a defensive stance now. They're saying that in parts of the city, they're trying to push the Russians back. Now, I don't know how successful that's going to be if you look at the size of the military It seems like an impossible task for the Ukrainians, but they do have home field advantage. And in urban warfare, the the people dug in are at an advantage. And that's where Putin has to make a decision. And I think if the Chinese are really helping them, the Chinese have to make a very big decision, which is, do we want to take this country by force in the way we're going to have to, which is continued shelling and continued bombing and a destruction of your cities, the destruction of your infrastructure. There's no electricity. There's no water, which if they were to be victorious, they have to rebuild. So you're talking about a country in Russia whose economy is absolutely decimated. The ruble is worth nothing. Their stock market is going to crash if it opens. They are becoming more and more paralyzed. The world is is uh, seizing assets of their billionaire oligarchs. And so there is a lot for them to deal with economically. They don't have the wherewithal to rebuild another nation if things continue the way this is going. If the world doesn't buy their oil or their gas, we are going to they, – they don't have much else. And then how do you go in and rebuild a nation? If you go and look on a map, Ukraine is the second largest in landmass, second largest European country. The city of Kiev has a population of about the size of Chicago. What an undertaking it is to take control of that city. And then what's it going to take to rebuild that city? And if the Chinese are looking at it that way, the Chinese probably don't want to spend their money rebuilding the Russian economy, rebuilding the Russian military, and then rebuilding Ukraine. So maybe their support when they say we're staying out of it, I certainly don't think it's fear of the U.S. They've shown before that they, you know, they, they've, they stood toe to toe in many cases with, with President Trump. I don't think that economically that they're worried so much about things right this moment. I think the long-term effects of what happens here and their partnership with Russia and looking at this saying, man, you are, you are becoming a liability. We are going to have to replace those planes. We are going to have to replace those helicopters and tanks. And, you know, personnel, it's going to take a long time to rebuild.
So I'm anxious to see how this all plays out. And once again, at 9.30 this morning, the President of the United States is expected to speak. Um, it is expected that he's going to talk about financial aid. Will he address the no-fly zone? Will he address the possibility of MiG jets from Poland? And what else will happen? Will he address the Chinese? We're going to carry it live here at KTAR, so make sure you stick around for it. In a moment, we're going to talk about oil prices. They have fallen. How long now before we see a decrease in gas prices? We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. As we know, we have been seeing extremely high prices. U.S. uh, retail sales grew only 0.3% in February. Wholesale prices soared 10%. Now, retail sales grew, but prices went up at a a record rate. And so, headlines, we had Kristen Bentz on yesterday, and she's a retail analyst. And what she said was happening is obviously being confirmed. U.S. retail sales soften on high gasoline costs as they begin to bite consumers, according to the headlines. Well, the good news about oil is it has it has gone down about 25% from the peak. I want you to hear an ABC News report, or at least a little piece of it, about oil prices dropping. The price of a barrel of U.S. crude oil has now fallen below $97. Usually this would mean downward pressure on gasoline, which affects other consumer prices. The report finds wholesale inflation in the U.S. shot up 10% last month compared to last year, but it isn't accelerating. And producer prices were 10% higher in February compared to a year ago. But the rate is also basically the same as January. So when will we see gas prices coming down? And here's something very interesting. And I've I have gone on and on and on about this. The policies of this administration caused the original spike. There was a spike in prices when we decided not to buy Russian oil, which the vast majority of Americans agree with. So there people are not confused. They are pretending to be confused by this because people say, well, you're being so there have been reporters. You can't say you're okay with not buying Russian oil and then complain about high prices. We were complaining about the high prices before this happened. This this accelerated the problem. And here's just a couple of things. Drilling permits spiked and then they plunged under President Biden. All of this rhetoric about we're not stopping anybody from drilling and they can do this there. This is when you simplify things like that. And I'm not I don't want to call people liars. You're oversimplification of things when the entire industry and logic tells you that it's the policies of this administration have caused this to happen. Here's the one. This is the story about being tone deaf. It isn't a party issue after a while because inflation doesn't know a political party. It doesn't. It affects every working person in this country. Every family on some kind of a budget is dramatically affected by things like this. Here's the headline. House Democrats want Biden to declare a national climate emergency and ban oil drilling on federal lands. This wasn't two years ago. This is now. In spite of what's happening. This is when I say to you, the number one issue is climate change, and they don't see anything else through any other prism than climate change being the number one problem. This is what's wrong with that policy. There are, I don't know anyone, and I'm sure they exist, I don't know anyone who says, ah, heck with the planet. 
I don't care about clean air for my grandkids as long as I get my bank account full. Uh, who needs clean water? I'll wor- let my grandkids worry about it. There's not a person on the planet that does that. If you're a hunter or you're a fisherman, if you're an outdoorsman or an outdoors woman, you want the air clean, you want the forest pristine, you want the game protected, you want the herds protected, you want to make sure that what you hand down to your grandchildren is what your grandparents handed down to you. It is generational. Everybody feels that way. So the idea that because I'm not buying into we have to destroy the fossil fuel industry in order to save the planet doesn't mean that I'm not concerned about the planet or anyone else. But when you see that the world is going to need fossil fuels, even at the pace they are targeting of being carbon neutral by 2050, that's almost 30 years And in the meantime, you are decimating the fossil fuel industry and you are decimating the American economy for the bottom up. That's the biggest frustration about this for me. So I can only imagine how frustrating it is for the average person that voted for the Biden administration or voted for Democratic principles, which is we are going to fight for the working class. You are killing the working class with this. This is killing the working class. It's easy to say, suck it up. It's easy to tell someone, you know, it's your patriotic duty or go out and spend, go buy an electric car. Uh, Pete Buttigieg and uh, the energy secretary, Granholm. Uh, It is easy to say if you had an electric vehicle when you're making a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year, they're 80 grand. They're $80,000. And then you got to put in the charger. Where do you charge them? And this idea that they're putting in this super grid of charging stations, I want you to think about where the working class lives. How are they going to do it in a condo? How are they going to do it in an apartment complex? Are they going to are you really going to have private complexes that are going to put in in front of all of their parking uh, spaces a charging station? Those are the working people that can't afford to buy a house right now. They certainly can't afford an electric car. And where do they charge it? They don't live in a private residence. They live in an apartment complex. This tone deaf thing that they are doing is infuriating the American public because they feel as if they are not being listened to. And the Democrats are now pushing for a climate emergency and no drilling on any federal land. If that's not the most tone-deaf thing you've heard today, I don't know what is. In a moment, um, we are expecting, we are expecting the president at 930. We will let you know and walk you up to that, and you will hear the president's comments in full when he makes them. That's coming up in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, you can. It's the Mike Broomhead Show podcast. You'll never miss a minute of the show again, and it's very, very simple to do. Download it, and uh, it's brought to you this week by Carol Rice, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get the most money selling your home for cash by going to highestprice.com. That's highestprice.com. 
One, uh, we are awaiting the president of the United States. He was scheduled to start speaking originally at 845 this morning. They pushed it back to 930. It's now 935. As soon as the president is going to take the podium, I'll let you know when we're getting into two-minute call. If you want to download that KTR News app, we will notify you when the press conference starts, and you can listen to it from your device. Um, so for a moment, I want to talk about something new. On Wednesdays now, the Arizona Department of Health Services updates the COVID website. So there were 5,153 new cases last week, just over 5,000 for the entire week. That is very good news. There were over 115,000 tests performed, so we are performing at a very good level although there were 457 deaths. So I want to talk a little bit about what's happening because the Senate passed by a 57 to 40 margin a proposal to end the mask mandates on transit, trains, airplanes. The White House says that they will, they're threatening to veto this if it gets to their de- to his desk. The idea of following the science, this all of this makes me laugh. The the masking of your children in schools for the parents out there that wanted the mask mandates and follow the science. The science is this. And I I, I hate throwing numbers out because it makes people's eyes roll. But hear me out. This is amazing stuff. There were thirteen hundred and sixty new cases in a week of people under the age of 20. There were only eight hundred and 56 cases of people over the age of 65. So um, the over 60 crowd had 16% of the new cases. They were responsible for 63% of the new hospitalizations and 79% of the new deaths. Of 457 deaths recorded in the past week, 364 of them were people over the age of 65. The next closest group was the next youngest group at 55 to 64 with 42. There was one death of people under the age of 20. There was one hospitalization in a week in the state of Arizona of people under the age of 20. There were 191 hospitalizations of people over the age of 65. Are you seeing the theme here? The theme in all of this is that we have been targeting the wrong people. If you live in these districts where they are completely silent on why they're still making your kid wear masks, it is very, very clear that masks have done more damage than they have done good with very young people. It it just we know, especially elementary age children, they are least likely to be severely ill by a huge margin in elementary school. And they are also the ones that are damaged most with covered faces, reading lips um, and, and being able to learn to speak properly by watching someone speak, not just hearing them speak. It, It is it's obvious But the numbers in Arizona are becoming very, very good. There are only 8% of hospital beds being uh, taken up by COVID patients, 10% in ICU beds. Those numbers are dramatically lower than where they were before. There's been a 41-person reduction overall in ICU bed usage and 150 less people in hospital beds. Those are remarkable numbers. And it's, it's, it's fantastic. Now, the death toll is still high, and that is a concern with Arizona having such a high death toll. But when you look at the numbers again, 79% of the deaths in Arizona are people over the age of 65. 
Why isn't Arizona making a push, as we talked about yesterday, why are we not making a bigger push to provide the booster shots and the vaccines in nursing homes and to older Americans? I understand them trying to get into communities where it's hard for people to get health care. I applaud it. I understand that. But if we know statistically where the the deaths are the highest, and that's older people, severe illness, older people, those are the people we should be informing and protecting. And we haven't. We haven't. The world hasn't. There have been major mistakes made. And we had to expect it. I, I'm not someone that is, I'm not angry at everybody. You know, I'm not someone that's looking for a scapegoat. I understand that our government, whether it was the Trump administration or even the Biden administration, is learning as you go, like you did with every other pandemic. I've talked about um, the AIDS, when AIDS became, you know, HIV and AIDS were an issue and became the issue in the country and it was a deadly disease. There was an overreaction that was necessary because we did not know, although we knew it was a bloodborne virus, we didn't know exactly how it was spread in the in the in the biggest ways. We knew that it was bodily fluids that was spreading this, but it was the overreaction. I have talked about so many times on crime scenes and other things, but as the science became more clear, we changed how we did things. And that was a big asset to morphing to where we are with HIV. Now there are treatments. And that is has been one of the biggest changes is treatments in that virus. Is this going to become a seasonal virus? And that's what everybody thinks is going to happen. Well, we'll find out. We are going to find out. And we're watching the numbers in Arizona. And they're getting to be much, much better. We are expecting the president of the United States at any moment to take the podium. So uh, we will get you there here in just a couple of minutes. So stick around for it. I want to talk about the Lund Mortgage Team. If you're buying, building, or refinancing a mortgage, we know that interest rates are scheduled to go up this week. They are scheduling an interest rate increase this week, which means eventually it gets to mortgages, which means it's going to cost you more money in the long run if you don't refinance now. Time is of the essence. Lund Mortgage will find the right mortgage to suit your needs. They always do. They search with multiple lenders to find the right mortgage for you. Then when they do that, they've made the process so simple. As a matter of fact, I would love for you just to go to LundMortgage.com. Go to the website and see how simple it is to begin uploading your documents, pay stubs and W-2 forms and things of that nature, and you can find out what your rate is. Once it's locked in, you can e-sign paperwork along the way, and in less than 30 days, your refinancing of your mortgage is complete. If you're buying or building a home, they're going to make that process as simple as possible for you as well. LundMortgage.com. That's LundMortgage.com or 623-875-9940. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, appreciate you spending some time with the show. We have a few minutes. We're waiting for the president. He was scheduled at nine thirty, and there's been a delay. So we are we have that's not been a postponement. We don't know exactly what time that the president is going to take the podium. So I want to talk about something else that's happening here. I did it. I was at an event yesterday, and attending the event with me was Pinal County Sheriff Lamb, and uh, he was ta- he was speaking at an event about the rule of law and things of that nature, and. Um, he was he, he was giving some statistics about apprehensions at the border and talking about drugs. Um, 
There were 165,000 apprehensions in the month of February, mostly single adults that were coming across the border. And uh, the statistics in Arizona of the number of captures that are happening here and across the southern border and the minuscule number of people that are actually being sent back. Then you find out that it's two between two and five years before court dates are given. You know, the court dates are being set for people two to five years out whether or not they can stay in the country, how many years it takes to actually deport somebody that's in the country illegally. And this is a they are circumventing the rule of law. And the idea that this is just about human beings in that capacity is wrong. Um, the sheriff reiterated a story that I've told many times. And uh, they and this was this is a specific story. I have told it in a more broad sense. But specifically speaking, um, the sheriff said that they captured a a woman who had come across the border illegally. And um, in her things, they found a package of pills and they wanted to know what the pills were. And she explained to them that. Not only do women expect to be raped on the journey, they expect to be raped multiple times on the journey. And so this package of pills were the um, morning after pills, not one, multiple pills that she brought with her. If anybody believes that the way we are handling the border is humane, it isn't. We get it caught up in a in a political conversation where accusations are thrown and then you have to defend against accusations and we never get to the problem. If anybody believes that I am unique in my belief, you're wrong. If you if you believe that I'm not a typical person that wants border security, you're wrong. Everybody wants people safe. We're Americans and we don't torture people. We don't do those things. We don't believe it should be done. But if anyone believes that allowing the cartels to control the border the way they do is good for us as Americans or good for the people that are coming, you are blind. What is happening is the furthest thing from humane. One of the biggest tragedies in human existence in my opinion is human trafficking the abusing and using usually of young girls um, but of young people or people at risk and selling them into slavery most of the time sexual slavery sexual abuse and human trafficking is the ugliest part of who we are as human beings and that is exactly what's happening at that border There are a couple of other things, a couple of other headlines pertaining to the border. Police, the Phoenix Police Department, and I put this up on social media yesterday. They seized $325,000 in cash and nearly 22,000 fentanyl pills and guns during a traffic stop. DPS finds 36 pounds of fentanyl during a traffic stop in southern Arizona. So this was... I-10, milepost 231 in Marana, according to the press release. Now, if you look at the minuscule amount of fentanyl it takes to kill a human being, and it is much smaller than you would imagine to kill someone, imagine what 36 pounds of this would do. If we are not willing to face what is happening, we are going to pay a heavy price. Our generation, we... Are, have de- are, haven't dealt with the dreamers yet, completely. 
We haven't dealt with what we're going to do with now adults that were brought here by their parents as very young children that don't know the country of their birth. And the country that they know is this country. And I agree that most of the dreamers, and nothing is exclusive, but most of the dreamers are contributing people to our society. And we are not going to. I'm telling you, the American government is not sending those children back to the country they were born in. So what are we going to do and how are we going to do it is a decision we have to wrestle with. What is morally the right way to handle this? And it needs to be done. And we haven't done that yet. But what we are doing is creating a situation for our grandchildren, and I have grandchildren that are 10 and under, or actually they're all under 10. The oldest is going to be 10. And we are setting up a situation that when they are old enough and they are leaders, they will wrestle with the struggle of a generation of dreamers themselves. We are creating an underclass in this country, which is against our Constitution. We are allowing people to stay here between two and five years. And in that time period, what happens to people? They meet someone, they get married, they have children, they put down roots, and they become connected to a community. That doesn't mean it's right. And that doesn't mean that they should be allowed to stay. But then you hear the argument two to five years from now when they are going to court and it's deemed that their asylum application was invalid and they're sent home. And then it's separated families and they've got children and the children are upset and should be. Imagine if you have a three-year-old child and dad or mom gets sent back to wherever they're from. That's the scenario that we are setting up right now for people. We, as Americans, because we vote and we elect this leadership, we are setting, we, we have put in motion a system that is immensely unfair to the American people and to the people that are supposed to protect the border. It's immensely unfair to them. But it's also unfair to the people that are coming here illegally. And the other group of people I haven't talked about yet are the legitimate asylum seekers. So somebody coming here for legitimate asylum reasons, they are waiting two to five years to be legitimized. Two to five years to have their cases legitimately adjudicated and their pathway to, if not citizenship, residency in the U.S. Is it fair to them? None of this is fair. And all of this nonsense about humane, you know, being treated humanely is wrong. It's not humane. And if we, as a border state, we are on the front lines of this, we have to be the ones that explain it in a way that there is a dramatic difference between legal and illegal immigration. That there is, we embrace people that come here the right way and want to be a part of our society, whether it's a visa worker that wants to earn a living and wants to improve our economy and help our country, or if they want to become citizens and become one of us, we believe, we, we, are, we applaud that. But we can no longer say that this isn't a disaster. And it is, it's sad. It is sad the way it's gone. The President of the United States was scheduled to speak almost 30 minutes ago. We, we have no word yet on when that speech will start. Uh, it is expected that the President is going to announce more aid to Ukraine. The Ukrainian President showed a video and, and pleaded with the American government for a no-fly zone. Will that happen? Will he announce that? Will he address it? As soon as he does it, we'll let you know.